0: Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for these scriptures that we've heard read. We thank you for the words of Jesus, that he speaks the truth. And Lord, we need to listen to him. We need to come to him. We need to lay down our own thoughts and feelings right now and just hear from him. May we be like those who come to the true vine that we might have life and bear fruit. So speak to us, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 What a lovely bunch of grapes in front of me this morning. (laughs) Fruitful for the Lord. How do you feel this morning? Good. Good? Do you feel like... A healthy bunch of grapes bearing fruit in all areas of your life, looking good, blessing people, or, like me sometimes, do you feel a bit more like these? Anyone know what I've got in here? Raisins. They can be a blessing too, actually. (laughs) Always got a pack in my pocket in case the kids get hungry. But raisins, very different, same fruit, but dried, withered. Which do you feel more like this morning? Or maybe, depends on the day. Jesus says something really important this morning. Well, he always says something important. But the first verse of this passage this morning is, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. He is, and we, are the branches. We are like this bunch of grapes. We're a branch. We're not just like a grape. We're like a bunch of grapes. We're a branch on a vine. And Jesus is the true vine. Of course, that also would mean then, of course, if he's the true vine, there must be false vines. He's the true vine. Now, there are many vines in life. Can you picture a vine, by the way? Can you picture a vineyard in your mind? A Sort of rows and rows of, uh, of grapes or in a vineyard with uh, vines. Okay. Many vines in this world. So let's just think about it this way. What, are, what kinds of vines in life are we plugged into, grafted into, receiving life from? There's many different vines in life. That could be true. And they're not all bad. There's just lots of vines that bear fruit in different ways. For example, we're plugged into families. We're plugged into different kinds of groups or clubs or societies. We might be plugged into a school or a workplace, a gym, a church, a network. We're plugged into businesses and money and banks and all sorts of things that bear fruit in different ways, isn't it? You might be plugged into a business that bears fruit of money or you might be plugged into a gym that bears fruit of (laughs) huge muscles. None of those things are necessarily bad but none of those are the true vine that bears fruit for God that lasts. We know that really, don't we? We know that if I'm plugged into the vine of the gym, I might bear fruit, but it won't last. <laughs> they will eventually wither, etc. You get the picture on that one. or money or families. They bear fruit, but not fruit that lasts. Jesus is the true vine. Now the problem we have, of course is that we tend to believe, if only I find the right vines in life, I will bear fruit that will last. If I just keep finding the right group, the right relationship, the right friendships, the right societies, the right hobbies, the right balance of life, the right amount of money, the right bank, the right phone, the right whatever it is, I will bear fruit that will last. And Jesus says, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. Or verse five, apart from me, you can do nothing. None of this fruit lasts. And we kind of know it. We kind of know it. So Jesus stresses, come to me to have life that will go on forever. He is the true vine, the Christian who is rooted and plugged into Jesus, receives the Holy Spirit, that kind of, the one who brings the life of God through Jesus, through the vine, that kind of sap and the goodness and the water and the nutrition through the vine to the branches, the Holy Spirit. And we looked at that in chapter 14. The Christian is plugged into Jesus, abiding in Jesus and receives the life of the Holy Spirit who bears fruit in our lives. What kind of fruit does he bear in our lives? Not necessarily money or big muscles and all of that sort of thing. Fruit of the Spirit is something different. Let me just turn to Galatians chapter five. I know you all know it, but let's just turn there. Galatians chapter five, verse 22. Galatians chapter five, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit... This is Paul the Apostle saying, so here we go, the fruit, the spirit bears fruit, and the fruit of that spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the kind of fruit we should be wanting and seeing. Against such things there is no law, says Paul. Wonderful things, love. Who doesn't want love in their life? Who doesn't want joy or peace or patience or kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? And we see that beginning in John chapter 15. We see, of course, love being one of the most important fruits that comes from being abiding in, in Jesus. Look at verse nine. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in My love. Remain in my love, a fruit of the Spirit. Also, we see joy in this passage as well. Did you notice that? Verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. That's a fruit of the Spirit, joy. Not just that you go around laughing all the time. That would be quite difficult to go about living life just constantly laughing. A joy that is deep down. A joy that makes your steps light, not heavy. And that your joy may be complete. We saw peace in chapter 14, verse 27. Craig preached last week on it. We see a peace that the world does not, cannot offer us. Chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives the vines of this world. I don't give you those things. i give you something more. Peace. Self-control, faith, all those other fruit that we saw in Galatians 5 is there in the passage, verse 10. Did you see verse 10 about obedience? If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Obedience to Jesus. You might not say, oh, I like, the other, I like the love and the joy bit, but obedience, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Faithfulness. Self-control. We're going to think about that in a few moments. Well, okay, sounds wonderful. And it is wonderful, actually. Most people, if you go out in the world and ask people what they most love, or at the end of their lives, what did you want most? Love is at the top, isn't it? Love is always at the top of the list. Peace is a close second, I'd imagine. Joy, too. All those things. So how is this fruit produced? Let's think a little bit about that. Firstly, Well, by abiding in Jesus, by abiding in Jesus. Verse four, remain in me as I remain in you. Remain in me, abide in Jesus. Without him, we cannot bear fruit, verse four. No branch, (laughs) it's an obvious thing to say, isn't it? No branch can bear fruit without being in the vine. This is where the world's gone wrong, as we've thought about. The world generally thinks it doesn't need Jesus to have life, that there can be life found in many different places and different vines. I don't need Jesus to live a full and pleasing life. But the truth of it is, as we've seen, none of the vines of this world can offer lasting fruit. In fact, the Bible says, like the whole world is disconnected from the living God. That's our basic problem in life. We're disconnected from the living God. We all might have a little bit of life for a while in us. We might look pleasant for a while. We might be bearing some sorts of fruits for a while. But because we're disconnected, we will wither. We will grow older. We won't have fruit that can last. We will die. And Jesus says that. He says, in the end, if you bear no fruit because you're disconnected from the living God... There's only one destiny for you. Now that's sobering. What do you do when you have a bunch of grapes that's been sitting on your table for a couple of weeks or a month? And it's got all sorts of funny things growing on it. What do you do with it? Do you go, oh, let's just water it a bit or try and help it a bit? Should we try eating it? <laughs> no, it's dang- it would be dangerous to eat at a certain point. What do you do? Compost bin. Compost bin. That's sobering, isn't it? Jesus says that. Look at verse 2. The Father, who is the gardener, he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will have even more fruitfulness. And then later he talks about verse six. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. The Bible sees that we're disconnected. We're disconnected. And that's what the Bible calls sin. It's our own fault. The Bible, at the beginning of the Bible, God didn't want the human race to disconnect ourselves from the living God. But he did warn us, if you do that, you will wither, you will die, you're disconnected. Whether people know it or not, I think everyone deep down feels it. I feel disconnected from life. I feel there's an emptiness, a hole. I'm not getting what I was made for, I'm not satisfied. Disconnected. Okay, so firstly, that's how we bear fruit. We have to remain in Jesus. We turn to him. We call on his name and we say, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and my life. I need you. And you start to bear fruit. The spirit comes into your life and you naturally start to bear fruit without striving, without trying hard. The spirit comes into your life. You start to feel his love, his joy, and it changes you. Secondly, though, we bear fruit By remaining, so Jesus says you have to abide in me, but you also have to remain in me. Verse nine, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, now remain in my love. See, there's another problem that can happen for us Christians, is that we receive Christ and we're plugged into Jesus and we're receiving the fruit of the Spirit, but we start to fail to remain in his love. I don't mean, that doesn't mean that some days the Lord's like, I'm displeased with you, so I'm not going to give you my love today. Does that make sense? He's not going, right, oh, you're being very naughty, very awful, so I'm going to withhold my love for you. It's not that. It's that we have a tendency as broken and sinful and rebellious sorts of people to walk away from his love to keep turning back to worthless things and hoping that they will provide what we need. And we spurn his love so often. And he says, the best way to remain in my love, the best way, Jesus says, to remain in my love, to protect and guard this fruitfulness in your life is to obey my commands. It is to love one another. That's the best way. Imagine, um, I don't know, imagine you're, you're, you're trying to get to a destination and it's at night time and someone says to you look, just stick to that path that's well lit and you'll get there fine if you remain in the light you'll get there it's when you decide to go Well, I think that's alright, that's a good way but I'm just going to check out this side alley see if I can get there a shortcut and you venture off the path and suddenly you're not remaining in the light and you get into trouble does that make sense? So Jesus says, remain in my love. It's brilliant there. The best way to do that is to stay together as a nice bunch of grapes and love one another. (laughs) Love one another because when you see the love of Christians for one another, you'll experience the love of Jesus and it will spur you on to stay in that place. It's when we wander off and we fail to experience the other love of Christians and we fail to love them back We get into all kinds of dark alleyways. Thirdly, here's the other way we bear fruit, okay? It's a toughie, so brace yourself. There's a gardener. There's a gardener. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Jesus says, verse one, I am the true vine. So Jesus is the vine, and my Father, God the Father, is the gardener. Now that makes sense as well. I mean, I'm not a horticulturalist or whatever, I'm not a very good gardener, but I... I probably understand it that if you just leave a vine to itself, it won't bear as much fruit as it could. Is that right? Yeah? Weeds, pests, problems, sunlight, watering, pruning, as we're going to see in a minute, all are required for the grapes to grow well. And that's not our job as the grape. It's the gardener's job. And it's a loving thing that the gardener is doing. The gardener has our best in mind. He wants us to flourish, grow, and be fruitful. The gardener does. But he might have to do some difficult things. Let's have a look at how he gardens. Verse two, you ready for it? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, even if you're a doing really well you're bearing fruit look at this every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful pruning again i'm not a gardener but i think it involves succotaires. is that right or great big <laughs> scissors and you go round cutting off all the bits that are dying not bearing fruit getting in the way um, in order to help the rest of the fruit grow well. Am I right? I am right, roughly. Pruning. Pruning. What does that even mean in the Christian life? If you ever asked yourself, have you ever spent a bit of time in prayer saying, God, you pruned today? <laughs> yeah, that week was some serious pruning. Thank you. I feel fruitful. Pruning. It might mean... He wants to cut away the sinfulness in our lives. To get rid of the things that are harming us but we don't know it. He might be dealing with us in ways that are challenging and painful. I'm sure no one likes the the vine, probably doesn't like it too much when it's pruned. It can be painful. But it will bear fruit in your life if you regard it rightly. Let's try and think of one or two examples. Hebrews 12, verse 10, talks about the discipline that God the Father brings into our lives. And he does it because he loves us. Paul talks about, the writer of Hebrews talks about um, every loving father disciplines his children for their good, even though the children don't like it. So it says this, Hebrews 12, verse 10. Our human fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. You bet it doesn't. But painful, painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace, For those who have been trained by it. Fascinating. No one likes it at the time, but if you regard it rightly, if you've um, been trained by it, you will bear fruit. Let's think of an example. Let's say I struggle with pride in my life, which is probably fair to say I do, because we all do. But let's say I've got a real problem with pride, self sufficiency. I want to be independent capable, respected, feared, honoured. I don't like it when people tell me I'm wrong. I don't like to be criticised. Gosh, I'm confessing a lot this morning, aren't I? Just so you know all that. I bite back when someone hurts me. <laughs> Claire's laughing her head off at the corner there. That's my wife. She's, uh, she knows. Um, You know what I mean? Irritated. I want to get revenge because they 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 embarrassed me. They insulted me. All those I've struggled with pride. How's the Lord going to prune me? He's going to have to humble me. He's going to have to put me in situations where I will be exposed. He's going to have to take things away from me, maybe, that have boosted my pride. Maybe I'll lose my job. Maybe someone, I'll make big mistakes and people find out. And here's the thing. No one likes that at the time. But it's the way you respond to the Lord's pruning that will determine whether you bear fruit. Because I could go one of two ways. If the Lord humiliates me or humbles me, I've got two ways to go. I can get angry, I can curse the Lord and curse others and say I've had enough of that. I can protect myself, put up the walls, harden my heart. I will definitely not bear fruit that way. Or I can humble myself before the Lord and say you're right, I have been a fool. Thank you for showing me that, as painful as it was, I'm now gonna go and say sorry to a whole bunch of people. And then the Lord pours his forgiveness, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness. And he fills your heart to overflowing. And you say, good is the Lord, for he's disciplined me today. Have you ever done that? Have you ever recognized what God is doing in your life? See, we want the Christian life where it's just God just pours buckets of blessings over our head no matter how we're living or what we're doing. <laughs> more, Lord, of your blessing. More, Lord, of your love. I love it. And he's like, but I'm tr- that hard thing in your life, you're not facing it. Or we go, Lord, what's going on with all these hard things in my life? This is ridiculous. Why haven't you sorted this out and that out? And all, because he's saying, because you're not recognizing my discipline. You're kicking against me rather than humbling yourself before me. You're wanting the wrong things. All right, I think you get the point on that one. So that's the three ways we can bear fruit. Just quickly, I want to deal with three ways in which bearing fruit is so important and brilliant. Okay, here's the the, the ups of bearing fruit, why we should want it. First of all, verse eight, it will bring glory to God. When we bear fruit, verse eight, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. You bring glory to God. And in bringing glory to God, you find satisfaction for your soul because that's what we were made for. It's really great. We all feel it and know it when we bring glory to others. Here's a few examples. We might play for a football team or a sports team or something, yeah? Yeah. And imagine you play your part really well. You're a part of a team and you score a goal or whatever. You can can bring glory to yourself for sure. Way. Or you can hug your team, thank the fans, all of that stuff, and you bring glory to another. You bring glory to your team. Does that make sense? And you feel good about that, right? Or it might be your workplace or your family. You bring glory to others and you feel satisfied. Like the vine, isn't it? You're plugged into those vines and you feel the satisfaction of bringing glory to that thing, yes? But of course, we were made for the true vine, Jesus. And so when we bear fruit, that well done part of the team, look at that love going on there, look at the things you're doing in the world for Jesus, etc. It brings glory to Him and you feel that satisfaction. You suddenly say, you feel heaven itself cheering. And going, that brings glory to God. Does your life feel like that? Does your life feel like that? How wonderful it is when it does. Okay, Uh, so that's one way. Verse eight, bearing fruit is brilliant. Look at verse seven, though. This is a good one. And it happens again in verse 16. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, and you're bearing fruit, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I kind of like that one. If you bear fruit, God will do whatever you say. Of course, it's not a way of controlling God, is it? And so many of our Christians fall into that trap. If I pray enough, if I go to church enough, if I do enough good things, I've got God right where I want him. I can ask whatever I want and he'll give it to me. That health thing and the money thing and the, I don't know, the comfort thing and the holiday thing or whatever. He'll pour it all out because I've done the good things, yeah? That's not what it is at all. <laughs> it's not what it is at all. It's more like this. Um, imagine you're a soldier in an army in a war, okay? I'm, it's maybe not the best situation because it's not a pleasant thing to be in, but imagine you're a soldier in a, and you have your captain And it's a really important cause. And all your friends and others, and everyone's in the effort together, yeah? And you're a soldier in that war. And you turn to your captain, and you say to your captain, you see that hill over there that the enemy holds? We have to take that back. We can do it, I can do it. I'm up for it, because we wanna get rid of that enemy. And imagine the enemy's really awful, okay? And it's gonna bring glory to the the king or the queen, it's gonna bring good for our land and our people. Yeah, and you you go to and you say to your captain, I can do it. But I'm gonna need this, 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 and this. I'm gonna need some help and some soldiers and some whatever and all the resources I need. What's the captain gonna say, who has the resources, has all the things? The captain's gonna say, Whatever you want and need, I'll give it to you. Yeah? But imagine that same soldier said to the captain, I just need a bit more annual leave. Uh, I just want to go home and have a comfortable life. You guys go and do it. Um, And please, can you, I need, you know, better comfort. The beds aren't great. All those things, yeah? The captain's going to probably discipline us. (laughs) Court-martial. Do you see what I'm talking about? (coughs) Forgive me if that was an inappropriate illustration. But the point is, is when you're bearing fruit, when you're loving one another, when you understand the darkness of the world, what Jesus is doing in the world, what he's doing in our lives, and you say, I'm part of that. I want to bring glory to God with my life. I want to overcome the darkness with love. Jesus, this is what I need to do that. He's gonna say, whatever you need, got it all, all yours. Okay, and then finally... The other important outcome. You will bear fruit that will last. You see, everything that we achieve in life through being plugged into the other vines will bear fruit, but it won't last. It will die with us or die before us. It will not make it into the new heavens and the earth. But everything we do plugged into Jesus will last and will last forever it'll count, it will count on the day of judgment what we do, that we bear fruit for Jesus. And this is where I'm going to come up with my final illustration. Because when Jesus himself talks about the fruit of the vine, what does he really refer to? Grapes? Yes, but something more. Let me read to you from Matthew 26, verse 27. Then Jesus took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine, from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. (laughs) This is the fruit of the vine. But in order for it to be that life-giving thing that brings fellowship, new life, forgiveness, those grapes have to be crushed Harvested, poured out, pressed, and the fruit that comes from that sacrifice will bring forgiveness to the whole world. When we love one another as Christ loved us, our fruit will be like new wine that will be for the healing of the nations. But it will also mean we have to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. Our lives have to be an offering, a sacrifice, just as Jesus did for us. Then we will bear fruit, fruit that will last not just a week or a month or a year or a hundred years, but will change the world forever, forever. So therefore, let us abide in Christ. Remain in his love. Allow God the Father to prune. May we keep loving one another. May our lives bring glory to God. May we ask for whatever we need in his name and he will give it to us. And may we bear fruit that will last. Let's pray.